live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Hey, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 A couple links to some of the stories we are going to be discussing um, over the course of the show. And if you are a dog lover, and... I know there's some out there who aren't, but I happen to be a dog lover. Um, there was a, a piece in today's Chicago Tribune that just, it brings a tear to your eye when you, when you read it. Um, the, the headline is, we don't deserve dogs, yet they accept and adore us. Um, and I, I couldn't agree more, and I, I've got a link to that as well. So if you're if you're a pet lover in particular and dog lover, you will relate to it. It's a kind of a sad story. It's a, it's a it's a really nice story about a guy who loves his dog, but it's got kind of a sad ending. But I think it makes us all appreciate our pets even more. So you can follow me at Jeff Wagner six twenty. I've got a link to that. Maybe we'll get around to that in the two o'clock hour of the program. All right, let us let us get started. I think even by the standards of what passes for journalism nowadays, the story that appears in today's Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, written by Patrick Marley, is an especially cheap political shot. It is an embarrassment, and I I think, candidly, I think the subject of the story is owed an apology. It goes back to the old movie, Absence of Malice, where the the story is accurate, but it's really not not true. All right. The story I'm talking about, the headline is Assembly Speaker Robin Voss's popcorn company received $150,000 or more under the Paycheck Protection Program. Um, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss received more than $150,000 for his popcorn business as part of a federal program meant to help struggling businesses amid the corona um, panic. Voss, the longtime Speaker of the Assembly, has spent much of his political career advocating for lower taxes, fewer business regulations, and limits on public benefit um, programs. And then it goes on. So the implication is here you have a conservative Republican who took advantage of this Paycheck Protection Program. Really? Now, I, I acknowledge... Uh, by the way, our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I, you know, as the program, my program has evolved over the last 20, 25 years in this market. I, I, I talk less about the overt media bias that exists. Every once in a while, I'll see, a, I don't know, a PolitiFact story that just has me rolling my eyes. But the, the fact of the matter is, first of all, it, you know, I don't even think we can argue media bias anymore and it's it's just there it is the reality and secondly 
newspapers in particular, journalism in general, it's kind of an endangered, it's an endangered species. And you look at what's happened with newspapers and all the cuts they've had to make because of the business environment and things like that. And so picking on them for bias and some reason, sometimes it just strikes me as being overdone. There's exceptions when you look at the New York Times and the Washington Post and and just the, the way they loathe, for example, President Trump and they loathe Republicans. But in general, I mean, the, the, the state of journalism is not in a good position, at least that, you know, the traditional newspapers and all. So I don't, I don't like to pile on. But there are stories that just get my goat. And this is one today. Now, <clears throat> let's back up. The Paycheck Protection Program was th- this plan approved by the federal government last, what, April. And it was in response to the coronavirus pandemic. The goal behind the program was so that businesses, small businesses in particular, but large businesses ended up being eligible for this as well, so that they could keep their employees working despite the fact that, you know, business had just dropped off, sometimes because the government had ordered the businesses shut down because they were non-essential, otherwise, other times because just the economic situation was, even if the business could stay open, um, their, their business just completely dried up. So small businesses and larger businesses could apply for loans under the Paycheck Protection Program. Now, the condition of these loans in general was that as long as you use the majority of this to to pay for payroll, in other words, to you know keep people working, the loans were in fact forgivable. Now, you can argue whether or not we should have done this program. All right. You can argue whether or not there should have been limits on the program because it's coming up now. You, you have some very, very uh, you have big law firms in New York that applied for this. You, you have some other you know, really big companies that applied for the, these loans that weren't necessarily the typical small businesses. All right. you, you can argue with that one way or the other, but the program is what the program is, which brings me to this headline involving the Speaker of the Assembly, Robin Voss, who, by the way, is a frequent target of the left and a frequent target of the media in Wisconsin because he's a Speaker of the Assembly, and you have a lot of these reporters who don't like the Republicans in control in the Assembly. And Robin Voss, and I've known Robin since gosh, the mid-1990s when he was a legislative aide to um, a, an assembly person out of Racine, you know, he's, he's kind of a lightning rod because he's the speaker of, of the assembly. Anyhow, in addition to being the speaker of the assembly, Voss owns a, a small business located in Burlington. It, 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 it's, it wholesales popcorn and popcorn supplies. But but actually, I, I say it's a small business. He has about 50 employees. Um, they, they do about $35 million in sales. So, I mean, it's it's a small business, like I say, 50 employees. But, you know, there's a lot of people that work for him, and it's a relatively – and it's a successful business. So when coronavirus hit, Voss's company apparently applied for one of these Paycheck Protection Program grants slash loans. He qualified for it. He got a loan. We don't know the exact amount because they, they just, they're they just putting out like the broad range of these. He got a, a loan between the amount of $150,000 and $350,000 in April that presumably, at least as far as we know, was used as it was intended to be used. That is, it was used to keep people working. 
And yet you have this headline. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss's popcorn company received $150,000 or more under the Paycheck Protection Program. And as I tweeted earlier this morning, even by the standards of what passes for journalism nowadays, this is an especially cheap political shot. To me, the issue isn't whether Robin Voss's company got PPP funds. It's whether the business qualified for them and then spent them properly. If the answer is yes, then there is no story at all. And yet this is, at least in my opinion, a cheap shot to try to embarrass the Speaker of the Assembly for applying for a federal loan package, which, by the way, you know, he's a state legislator. It's not like he even voted on this. This is a federal loan package that was available for small businesses. And as far as anybody's able to tell, at least what's out there now, there's no question the business qualified for him. And at least so far, there's no question that the business spent the money properly. So what's the story? 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Cheap shot or legitimate issue? To me, it is a cheap, cheap shot. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Let me give you an example. Um, in addition to the, the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program, there were a number of people who received stimulus checks from the government. That was the same idea. You know, we, we've got to get money into people's hands because coronavirus, we, we don't want people to be, be evicted. We don't want people to not be able to make their payments. And so checks were sent out. There wasn't means testing. In, in other words, we they, they looked at the amount of income you paid on your last year's taxes to decide whether you were entitled to it or not. They didn't look at your, your bank accounts. They didn't look at your portfolios. They didn't determine whether you were a millionaire or whatever. It's just based on a certain dollar amount that you report on your tax returns. You got it. I have a number of friends who received stimulus checks, who would say to me, we can't believe that we, we got the, these stimulus checks. We, we don't need them. And I would say, well, okay, you don't need them, but you're entitled to them. It's the way the program was set up. So, you know, I, I don't expect people to give the money back. It, you know, it just, it shows up. If the government decides in its wisdom, and I put that in quotation marks, that, you know, this is how we're going to administer the program and this is how we're going to give money. You know, despite the fact whether you supported the program or not, if the government puts $1,200 in your bank account, who who do you expect to give the money back? It's kind of like when you have your taxes done. There's all sorts of things that I disagree with about our tax system, for example. Well, in any event, every year, when I put together my tax stuff and I send it off to the accountant, she looks at it and she determines, okay, which deductions are you legitimately able to, you know, to claim? What's, you know, what's your tax rate? All these different things. Hey, do you get a break because you're married? Yeah, all right, that, that, that's fine. And then you apply the law. And then what happens is you come up with an amount and you pay what you owe under under the law. And the fact that I might have argued over my lifetime about the wisdom of a particular tax break that I might otherwise be entitled to, well, do you expect that I'm not going to claim it because I disagree with this on principle? No, you, you follow the law, whatever the law is. And that's what I think is so galling about this particular story and the fact that they choose to single out Robin Voss's little company. And, and again, it's a 
successful business in Burlington. It employs 50 people. And my guess is, my guess is that because of, you know, what happened in this industry, if it wasn't for the PPP, a lot of those 50 employees that work for this company would have been furloughed or would have been laid off, you know, or would have been fired. Cause, cause that's what the PPP was designed to do. It was designed to keep people working. So why is this a story? All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, uh, this is a cheap shot. I've known Robin Voss all my life. He works hard for a living in addition to being Speaker of the House. He employs a lot of people that need second chances or have struggled in life so they have a job because of him. He's just like any other small business owner and legitimately qualified for the PPP funds. Um, the reporter could not resist getting a jab in. I think they thrive on stirring the pot. Um, you know, gee, where is the story about Madison-based uh, some plumbing company taking between five and ten million dollars when their revenues have actually increased during COVID? Um, let's see, Jeff, this was more than a cheap shot by the media. They routinely take opportunities to discredit anyone they don't like. They no longer respect the news they create it. They che- take cheap shots knowing nothing will happen to them for doing so. Well, that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the thing. Jeff, the report that Voss got alone isn't the issue. It's the intent to create dissent against him that discredits the entire article. Um, Jeff, his company is completely entitled to use federal funds. There's absolutely no issue here. Jeff, it's a def- definite cheap shot. If he was a Democrat, you would have heard nothing about it. Well, yeah, I, I think there's kind of an element to that. I think that what the story should have been that, gee, you've got a small businessman who also happens to be a politician, a prominent one, who was able to keep people working during the course of, again, this COVID thing and was able to use the stimulus money. that That's what it's there for. The flip side of this is, let's say that Voss on principle had decided not to apply for the PPP loan. And as a result, you have to shutter the doors of the company and you have to lay off all these people. Well, then the headline would have been Republican legislature, legislator fires or, or lays off people. I mean, it, it's this classic no-win type of, of situation that, that's out there. And the idea that, gee, because you're a conservative politician and you spent your career arguing against excessive government spending or whatever doesn't mean when another level of government creates something that you, you shouldn't be able to, to use it. I mean, I, I don't know if people have been arguing about, I don't know, the need to reform Social Security or, or whatever. Does that mean when you put in for Social Security that you shouldn't take the money that you're entitled to? I mean, it, it just give me a break. And, and again, I, I understand that media bias is just out there and there's nothing you can do about it. But every once in a while, you get these stories which are just such incredible cheap shots that you have to kind of call it out and and this happens to be one if you want to write a story arguing that okay maybe this ppp program was put together too quickly and that the businesses that weren't entitled to it or shouldn't have been entitled to it got it that that's fair enough for example big story in the chicago tribune today the headline is from museums and restaurants to law firms and supermarkets thousands of chicago area businesses got ppp loans worth 1 million dollars or more 
All right. So again, that you read the story about that and you say, all right, you know, maybe should we have been giving that much money to some of these businesses? All right. That, that's a legitimate issue. But the question isn't, were they entitled to it? Did they apply for it? It was the, was the program appropriately started? Wall Street Journal has a piece today. It's called Dozens of Top Law Firms Got PPP Loans. Uh, they did an analysis found that 45 top New York law firms got at least 120 or 210 million in PPP loans, including some of these big law firms. Okay, that's a legitimate issue. Did the lawmakers put this together too hastily? Should they have been more conscientious in deciding, you know, who could qualify for the loans? Okay, that's a fair story. But even if you want to write that story, <laughs> I got to tell you, Voss's little popcorn operation with 50 employees, and I don't mean to minimize that, but it's nothing compared to, you know, these, these businesses with 500 or more employees um, who, who got all the, these loans. Even if you want to write that story, you, you wouldn't be questioning the appropriateness because the, these loan programs were designed to help businesses with a handful of employees or with a few dozen employees instead of hundreds or thousands of employees. It's just a disappointing and depressing cheap shot. And uh, candidly, you would have hoped that even in today's modern era of journalism, the local newspaper would have been better. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with me. I, I just sent out a tweet, if you follow me, it's at Jeff Wagner 620, requiring, th- with a link to the story, Dane County has now issued the first order in the state requiring face masks. And I've got, again, a link to the story. You can follow me at Jeff Wagner 620 on Twitter. But but here, let me let me share with you the, this story, and then we're going to morph into what the city of Milwaukee is, is going to do, because I, I, I don't know which one is sillier. And I do use that word silly. Now, look, I, I'm not I'm not one of these guys that is completely anti face mask. I, I wear I wear a face mask when I go into into buildings and stores like that. I, I do because I think it's a gesture of respect to the people that are working there. So so required or not, I wear a face mask in there. I do not wear a face mask when I go into restaurants or bars because it's just it's not practical, at least in my opinion. And I do not wear a face mask when I'm outside because I think most of the science will tell you that COVID, the coronavirus, isn't spread by con- by you know incidental contact, passing somebody on a street. It's spread typically indoors, closer quarters, etc. All right, so get this. Here's here's what Dane County has just done. Dane County public health officials, and this isn't the legislature. This is the the director of public health for Madison. Dane County public health officials are requiring all residents to wear face masks indoors unless they're home. Under the order, anyone age five or older must wear a face mask when in any enclosed building, including workplaces and stores. Restaurants are exempt under the order. But so including workplaces. So what this means is, let's say you run a tailor shop, you know, you're, you're, you're a tailor, and you, you work most of the day by yourself. And what will happen is, you know, maybe three or four times a day, people will, will come in, you know, even though you're be working by yourself for, I don't know, seven and a half hours out of the eight hours, you are going to be required to wear a face mask. All right. So that, that's it. Number one, restaurants are exempt. But but here's where it gets really interesting. The order applies to healthcare settings. OK. Waiting in line and on public buses. Get this. Dane County residents also must wear face masks in other people's private homes under the order. 
Let me read that again. Dane County residents also must wear face masks in other people's private homes under the order. So in the People's Republic of Madison, if I decide I want to invite my best friends over for dinner, for example, they're going to come into my house if I lived in Dane County. My friends would be required to wear face masks in my private house. So as the homeowner, I don't get a right to say, eh, don't worry about the face mask. Okay, you would be required. Now, my first thought was, okay, good luck enforcing that. But again, this is Dane County. Now, I understand, you know, in Madison, we allow people to burn things down and we stand by. You know, maybe this is something that the authorities, maybe this is what a priority is going to be. Do you realize that Jeff and Fran had some people over for dinner? They had they had some another couple over for dinner, and they didn't wear face masks inside their house. Oh, let's get the face mask police out. They're, they're telling you that if you invite people over, those people, guests in your home, have to wear face masks. Seriously. I mean, th- this is... This is in your own home, so I don't have a right to say what goes on in my home. All right. Now, I think that is a troubling expansion of big government. But, you know, that's not necessarily where it stops. So the city of Milwaukee is going to be considering a a face mask mandate. And uh, apparently this is the, it seems like the, the uh, skids are greased for this and it's going to kind of go through. The mayor is talking about how he's in favor of this and all that. Now, by the way, let, let's just understand leading into this in Milwaukee, the homicide rate is through the roof. It looks like you are going to, if this pace continues, you're going to have more homicides in the city of Milwaukee by the end of the year. Then you had, you're going to have to go back 30 years to find that number of homicides. Shootings are through the roof. You've got all this violence. You've got people who want to defund the police, but we want to have a face mask mandate. So here's, here's the deal. I have in my hands the proposed ordinance that's going to be considered by the Common Council. All right. Masks required indoors for the duration of this order. Any person two years old or older. All right, so this is going to apply to, to kids, two years old or older. So all your parents, you've got to figure out under these circumstances when you take your two-and-a-half-year-old out how you're going to keep that face mask on. Any person two years old or older who is present in the city of Milwaukee shall have possession of a face covering when the person leaves home or other place of residence and shall wear the face covering whenever the person is in an indoor public space. Okay, so they're, they're saying if you're indoors, in an indoor public space, which I assume means, uh, again, businesses and things like that, you've got to wear it inside. Okay, fine. Provision two, mask required outdoors for the duration of the moving forward, moving Milwaukee forward health and safety order. Any person two years old or older who is present in the city of Milwaukee shall have possession of a face covering when the person leaves home and shall wear the face covering whenever the person is in an outdoor public space and sees a person within 30 feet who is not a member of the person's family or household. So if you're riding your bike and you're going to be riding past somebody that you see, I don't know, on the sidewalk walking the other way, and they're within 10 yards of you, 
you are required to have a face mask on. If you're walking your dog at 2 o'clock in the morning and you happen to see somebody coming the other way who's 10 yards away from you, you have to put the face mask on. So anytime you are outdoors and you see someone within 10 yards, you're going to have to wear the face mask. And it goes on. And here's the bottom line. The health department shall enforce the section. A business that fails to enforce this penalty shall be given a warning followed by a citation of not less than $50 nor more than $500. If the business fails to enforce this, the commissioner may shut the business down. And similar penalties, the cash penalties, apply to people on the street. So if if I'm walking outdoors on the sidewalk and I don't have a mask or I'm jogging or I'm doing some form of exercise and I see somebody within 10 yards and I don't put it on, I could be fined up to $500. Now, we can't control the homicides and the shootings in the city of Milwaukee, but we're going to be giving people $500 tickets for walking down the sidewalk and having incidental contact. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Like I say, I, I'm, I get why, we, why people wear masks, and I guess to an extent I, I understand the mask rule inside in public businesses. All right. And I think that if you wanted to just argue that, that's fine. In Madison, they're now telling me if I want to have people over at my house, those people are required to wear face masks. Yeah. Good luck with that. But in Milwaukee, they're talking about outside, outside incidental contact. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do we know about COVID-19? We know that to the extent it passes, it, it generally passes when people are in close quarters that are indoors. Um, it, it's extremely rare that you are going to have incidental outside contact unless, I don't know, I'm bicycling by somebody, I get real close to them and I sneeze in their face. Is this not an overreach? And, and can't cannot we understand and agree that, that maybe some mask rules make sense? Can't we agree that maybe some mask rules make sense and that if you're in close quarters indoors, oh, okay, you should be encouraged to wear the masks. But really, outdoors, anytime somebody is going to have contact with somebody within 10 yards, no matter how incidental that might be, and how, as a practical matter, how are we going to enforce that when we can't stop people from dying in record numbers on the streets due to shootings? And I also would add that does this apply to the protests or is there an exception for that? All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Can't you be pro-mask and realize that this is ridiculous? We discuss in just a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. And by the way, if you don't believe me, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620 I've got a link to the story that, that lays this all out. Dane County... It's so crazy in Dane County that they've just issued this edict that says if you have people over to your house, your private house, the government now says you are required to make those people wear face masks inside your private residence. All right. Now, in the city of Milwaukee, they're going to be voting on this ordinance tomorrow, which which even goes farther in some respects in Dane County. It says anytime you are outside and within 10 yards of someone, you have to wear a face mask. All right, here's some of the t- uh, text, and then we're going to go to the calls. Uh, Jeff, who is going to follow this? Well, I think that's a, a good 
question on that. Um, Jeff, looks like I'm not shopping in Milwaukee for the foreseeable future. Um, yes, I think that's a factor as well. Jeff, tape measure sales are about to go through the roof with all of these distance requirements. Yes. Jeff, so crime is out of control and protesters and rioters are doing whatever they want unchallenged, but I'm the problem because I don't want to suffocate myself with a, uh, with a mask when I'm not near anyone. Complete and utter madness. I feel like I'm living in the twilight zone. Um, yes. Uh, let's see, uh, Jeff, I suspect Madison only wants to make it appear they're working to prevent the spread of Corona so they can pat themselves on the back. If they really wanted to slow it, they would have sent all the rioters home on the first night. No, we didn't engage the rioters. Jeff, I'm fine with wearing a mask in places of business out of respect. By the way, I agree. That's it. When Dane County starts enforcing other laws or actually locking up repeat criminals, then I'll worry about following a mask law. So basically that's going to be. When hell freezes over. Jeff, it's time to move out of Milwaukee. Jeff, if this egregious rule passes, start counting businesses closing up as reasonable people will not be visiting Milwaukee. Jeff, um, I'm a mailman delivering in Milwaukee. With this heat, there is no way I'm wearing a face mask outside. Yeah. Jeff, cannot be enforced, um, but I have no problem with any um, any of this. Oh, okay, I do. Jeff, I don't even need to wear pants in my own home, but now I have to wear a mask. Can people really be this unhinged? Well, there is an element of that. Jeff, uh, I live in Madison. I'm just wondering how I'm supposed to eat lunch if I'm required to wear a mask inside the business I work at. Um, that yeah, it, it's I'm not clear how the restaurants work in Dane County. The restaurants are exempt. So at least that's my understanding. And I don't understand how it's procedurally going to work. But, yes, you, you don't have to wear a mask. I don't think when you're at the table eating lunch, but when you have people over to your house, then you're supposed to make them wear a, a mask. Um, really? Um, let's see. Jeff, all common sense is gone. Will Barrett and council member, members abide by their own rules? Don't know. All right. Marcus on the north side. Marcus, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, excellent show as usual. Thank you. I, I, I knew this would happen. I'm just kind of livid. Now, do you know in the central city, there are, it's already tight, cramped quarters as it is. Mm-hmm. How will the – are you kidding me as far as an enforcement? You've you got 20, 30 people on an average day uh, just barely hitting down the sidewalk. And, and then how are you going to do the enforcement in the bars – as far as that's concerned, well, let, let's just talk about outside. Let, let, let's go back to your point. Let's talk right. about a- outside. Okay, so let's say you've got a, a, a Milwaukee neighborhood. Let's say you live in a, right. in a building that, that do- doesn't have air conditioning. Okay, it's, it's 90 degrees outside. So what happens is you have a bunch of people who are congregating in the front yard or on the porch or whatever. They're outside. They've got their kids. It's a bunch of neighbors that are over. And people who are outside aren't wearing masks. Explain to me, Marcus, how you're going to in- enforce this. I mean, we're going to have, what, the police or the health department that's going to come over and start issuing $500 tickets to a bunch of people that are outside? Give me... I, it, are, are these people nuts? You know? Right. It's, it's, it's insanity. And I said this a week ago when they, they came out with this. I said, I guarantee you they will try to put a a, a, a outside uh, uh, emphasis on mask if you're even though you're not around anyone. But you cannot. But you then if you can't enforce 900 fireworks going off and giving off two tickets, how can you enforce something like this within 10 feet? I don't see it. 
and I think it's going to be a tragedy. And then how can they control the other aspect of who comes to your home? Who's going to who's going to tell that you got uh, you, yeah. know, you got a, a couple of your neighbors in the house with yeah. with no mask? Well, who's wait, are, follow, are, are follow we, that program? Well, right, no, thanks. <laughs> right, I mean that, that's it. I mean, is, is that it? Are we going to set up an informant program in Dane County? Where um, again, I don't live in Dane County, but gee, Jeff invited me over to the house, his house for you know to, to watch uh, you know to watch whatever to watch the concert on his on his big screen TV, and I didn't wear a mask, and he didn't make me go on out there and arrest him. I mean, really, th- this is the police state run amok and and i understand let me go back to this premise i I understand why we want to encourage people to wear masks and and if if these ordinances were okay you got to wear it indoors except like a dentist's office or except in restaurants if if it was indoors in 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 bub in businesses Okay, and I'm talking about businesses that are open to the public. I, I would understand that. But, you know, private businesses, first of all, I don't think it's the government's business. The the private business should have the right to set the policy that, that it wants to set. But then once you start talking about outside, and by the way, I'd love to see the science because everything I have been reading lately about this and something that we now start to know about the spread of, of COVID-19, for example, is it, it's – it's primarily an inside phenomena. Remember, we're being told that, hey, all these big protests didn't lead to any spike in coronavirus. Why? Because it was supposedly outside. Most of the data I'm starting to see says that, again, th- this incidental contact, you pass somebody on, on the street outside, th- that's not leading to the spread of this. And yet this is precisely what the city of Milwaukee wants to do. Outdoors, are they crazy? I mean, seriously, you're walking your dog and you see somebody 10 yards away that's coming the other way. You're supposed to put on a mask. I mean, come on. At some point in time, and I understand that we've got the, the public health officials that are out there, and, and you've got these, uh, again, these big government people who want to control every aspect of our lives. But at some point in time, doesn't there need to be common sense? And I hope somebody, starting with Mayor Tom Barrett, stands up maybe and says, okay, before we pass this ordinance, let's think about what we're really trying to accomplish, and how we're going to be able to enforce it. And and are we, in fact, going to be able to enforce it? And maybe you start with some inside mask rules, although telling me what I have to do inside my own home when I invite people over or people stop by, that that's way, 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 at least in my opinion, beyond what the government should have the authority to do. Scott in McGuanago. Scott Mesqu- in Mesquigo, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Uh, yeah, somebody brought up my, the point already about what if you're eating or drinking outdoors in a public area, how are you supposed to eat and drink with a mask on if you're out with friends? Uh, but the bigger thing is, as a retired law enforcement officer, I believe you said that the health department is the one that was going to enforce this. Yep. They don't legally have the right to stop people, detain you, and force you to give up your name. So they really can't do anything, just like they can't come into your house because they don't legally have that right. You know, if law enforcement had to enforce it, that's different, but... The civilians that work for the health department can't detain you. They can't force you to give your name, so they have no authority. I well, I thanks for. I mean, I don't know. Again, thanks. I mean, the devil, of course, course, as we discussed, is in the details. Now, I don't know whether this ordinance anticipates some massive 
delegation of police powers to the, the people in the health department. But let, I'm getting, let's, let's just go back and think about the, the realities of this. And you, you could make an argument. I understand you can make an argument for, okay, it's a public business. We're concerned about this. So, you know, for people who are going in, we want to require the masks. Okay. If that was it, we'd be having a different conversation. But that's not what they're doing. Outside, in almost every circumstance, kids two years old or, or older, so you're pushing the baby stroller or, or whatever, um, or you, you've got the car, you're going down the street, you're walking the kids, there's nobody around, but there might be somebody, so you're wearing a mask in 90 degree heat. Give me a break. Demonstrate for me how that is going to significantly stop the spread of COVID-19. That's the challenge that you have. I'll share some more text when we come back in just a minute. But I'm telling you that you already saw what's in Madison. Invite somebody over. You're required to have them wear face masks in your home. And now they're talking about outside in the city of Milwaukee. Will the last person to leave that city please turn off the lights? Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I want to pick up where we left off at the end of the hour because, again, I, I understand mask rules. And I think you could come up with reasonable mask rules that most reasonable people would look and say, okay, that, that, that sort of makes sense. If I'm going to go into a retail establishment, I, I should wear a mask. Okay, and I think if that's what the ordinances were, people would would say, all right, that that that's fine. In Madison, they have now passed an ordinance, or it's actually not an ordinance. It's a decree from the health commissar that says anytime you are indoors, outside of your own home, you need to wear a mask. And that means if I invite you over to my house for, I don't know, dinner or whatever, you, not me, but you are going to be required in my private home to wear a mask. To which I say, good luck enforcing that, Madison. Have you lost your minds? But if that's crazy, the city of Milwaukee tomorrow is going to be considering voting on on an ordinance which would require masks not just inside in places of business, but would require masks to be worn essentially any time you are outside that you see someone within 10 yards. Now, I got a text during the break. Somebody says, hey, look, I, I live in one of these typical Milwaukee lots, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm within 10 yards. If I'm in my front yard, my neighbor's in his front yard, and we're cutting the grass, we, we've got to wear masks because we'd be within 10 yards of each other. And then, I mean, I'm imagining just the practical issues. You've got a bunch of people in a, in a typical Milwaukee neighborhood. It's a hot summer night. People don't have air conditioning. It's 87 degrees. And so a bunch of people get together outside to try to beat the heat. Um, and and you're not wearing masks and you're within 10 yards. OK, are the police going to seriously come and start issuing citations? I mean, it's just it it's crazy. Walking your dog, jogging, riding your bicycle down the street. The mere fact that you might have to pass somebody, even though you're only going to pass them in a, within a few seconds and then you're going to be gone, that you're going to have to wear a mask, despite the fact that one of the things we know scientifically is that that's not how COVID gets passed. COVID gets passed when you're in close quarters, inside, primarily for a prolonged length of time. That That's that's what it is. But yet in Milwaukee, we're jumping on this completely unenforceable idea of masks everywhere, thinking it's going to make us safer. And I'm... What I want to do in this segment, though, and I mean, I'm, I'm getting, as you might expect, just just a ton of texts. Um, 
you know, uh, Jeff, in response to the retired police officer, county boards around the state are trying to pass orders that give the county health officers sweeping powers. Um, they're trying to police those. A um, number of texts are just simply saying how unenforceable this is and how, you know, if this goes through, there, there's no way that they're going to be, for example, shopping or traveling to the city of Milwaukee, which is part of the reality of this. A- out of the all the texts I received all the texts i have one one that presents the contrary view of this um and uh, essentially it is here's what the person writes i guess people want to live with this virus for the rest of our lives just wear the mask growl let's all work together so we can get rid of this thing come on so the idea is anytime anywhere People go out, you should wear the mask. You have people into your house, they should wear the mask. You're outside and you see somebody within 10 yards, you should wear the mask. That's what we need to do. All right, I, I want to, one segment, we'll see how this goes. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is there anybody that thinks that this is a good idea? That, that thinks it's a good idea for the government to require you to make people wear a mask when you invite people into their home. Now, again, it's one thing if I'm having people over for dinner and for be for example because of a health condition or whatever, I say, "Hey, come on into my house, but I'd like you to wear a mask." Okay, you always have the right to do that. Is there anybody that thinks it's the government's role or responsibility to tell me that if I have guests over, I have to require them to wear masks? All right. Is there anybody that thinks it's a good idea to require somebody who's, again, walking outside on the streets of Milwaukee and comes within 10 yards of someone else that they have to wear a mask, which pretty much means almost any time? Is there anybody that thinks this is a good idea? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Does anybody want to defend this? Because my concern is, and I bring this up because my concern is tomorrow, this is going to fly through the Common Council like you know what through a goose. And it's going to, you're going to have all the people patting themselves on the back saying, we are making the community safer and we have a health emergency. And all these people who are anti-mask, well, they they just want everybody to die. And, of course, that, that couldn't be farther that from the, the truth. It's just a question of common sense. And I'm wondering if there's any alderman or the mayor, and, of course, the mayor's been very disappointing lately, but I wonder if there's any alderman that's going to stand up and say, okay, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Show me the numbers that show that if you're on a bicycle riding down the street that, that this this is going to be something that stops COVID. Explain to me how you are going to enforce this. Is there anybody that thinks this is a good Idea, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line and is, in fact, enforceable. Jeff, businesses and public transportation, I get. Anywhere else? No. Uh, Jeff, next, the next thing you know, the government were requiring us to wear clothes in public. Good luck enforcing that. Um, Jeff, if we are in a pandemic, why would I have friends over? No one over, then no mask needed. Well, that, that's, that's it. I mean, is that the next step that the government just simply says you are not allowed to have people into your homes? Jeff, if people in government want the public to follow reasonable mask requirements, they need to make 
reasonable mask requirements. And all they are doing is making more and more reasonable people refuse. A- absolutely. that That's the key. And I'm hoping somebody wakes up in City Hall and says that this proposal that's being advanced by Marina Dmitrievic is way too broad. Reach a consensus. I think reasonable people can agree. If you think it's necessary to have a mask rule, all right, what do you do? You say inside in businesses that are open to the public. Okay, fine. You say, yes, we want you to wear a mask on public transportation. All right, those things where you're in closed areas for potentially a prolonged period of time. Now, again, that that raises the overall debate about should people wear masks or not. But if you would have a rule like that in an area that is a hot spot like the city of Milwaukee, I think you could make a reasonable, cogent argument for it. These overbroad ordinances, unenforceable, And candidly, it's like you've gone through the looking glass. All right. I gave it 10 minutes. Gave it 10 minutes. Actively soliciting somebody, somebody anywhere who thought they could defend these ordinances. Got nothing. Understand. We're moving on. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right. Here's the text. Jeff, what about baseball players when they come to town? You know, that is a very, very good question because the the rule says, you know, you've got to wear it when you're in public within 10 yards of somebody else. It would seem to me, and and you really can't argue, it's not like it's eating or drinking where, you know, there might be an exception if it's not practical or or getting your teeth cleaned. I, I would think you could make a strong argument that if this ordinance passes, baseball players at all the home games at Miller Park are going to have to wear masks. And my argument would be if it doesn't apply to baseball players, well, why should it apply to other people that are outside? I, I'm just that that's what it says. If you're within 10 yards of someone, you have to wear a, a mask and baseball players. They're going to be within 10 yards of someone. Um, I got a text here from a guy who says he cleans porta potties for a living. And he says, OK, right now it's 95 degrees um, outside. It's 120 when you're in those porta potties. He said, you know, he says, I'm not wearing a mask. You know, Tom Barrett and Marina Dmitrieva can say whatever they want. It's just not practical to wear a mask. But, yeah, I think that's a fair question. Maybe somebody could stand up and ask it. I said, well, if you got to wear these outside, you know, why does that, that mean that we're now going to see every baseball player at Miller Park is going to be wearing a, a mask? Um, and if they're not going to have to wear masks, well, how can we say to the bicyclists that they don't have to um Wear a mask. There's a text. Jeff, what is the science for a 30-foot distance? There is no science. They're, they're making it up as they go along. That, that's why I say one of the things that we've learned about COVID-19 over the, the last several months is we're starting to learn how it's spread. And, and, and we know that it is primarily spread by extended contact inside. Okay? So, which again... If you want to have a mask rule that relates to inside in businesses, I, I understand. You could argue that that makes sense. Yeah, um, outside, no, especially since we've been told that the protests didn't lead to the spread of COVID-19. So if the protests were okay and didn't lead to the spread of that, well, all right, why, why should you have to wear one when you're walking your dog on the streets of Milwaukee? Jeff, defend the ordinance. Are you nuts? Why not simply defund the ordinance? Um, yeah, um, 
<laughs> that's, you know, that's that's it. Um, again, we'll see what happens tomorrow, and, and we'll see whether kind of common sense prevails, and we'll see whether some aldermen are in a position to go and say, look, we, we understand the concept behind this, and we recognize that Milwaukee is a, a hotbed of this stuff, and, and, and maybe we can craft an ordinance which makes some sense is enforceable and can really help stop the problem as opposed to, okay, wear a mask when you're outside on the streets or riding your bicycle or playing golf or, I don't know, playing baseball at Miller Park. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You know, when when you look at the Clown Car Act that is Milwaukee city government, you, you really you really think you know, rather than trying to you know make new rules that are just unenforceable and crazy, maybe you should kind of like clean up your own act. You want to talk about dysfunctional? You you look up the word dysfunctional in the dictionary, and you're going to see a picture of the Milwaukee Common Council. The the Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission has been an absolute debacle for the last several years. The Fire and Police Commission has had three separate heads just in the last, what, since 2018. And the the current head of the Fire and Police Commission, who was due for a reappointment and was supposed to come up for a vote, she, she announced that she's you know, backing out of this. And, and look, I, I, I don't know whether she did a great job or not. You know, there, it's just, it's such a mess just such a mess that it's impossible, at least in my opinion, to figure out who's good and who's bad down there. But but she backed out simply because she said, look, I, th- this political point scoring and conflict at City Hall, it's not worth it. Life is too short. And you know what? I completely and totally understand that. You are starting to see that at all sorts of different levels in the city of Milwaukee. And where it really concerns me is you're starting to see it with the police. You have a mayor and a common council that, as a general rule, have not been supportive of their police department. They, they've decided, okay, we're, we're going to get on the side and we're going to get on board with all these different protests and stuff, and we're not going to stick up for the cops. And, and that's that's a political decision that they've made. We're going to let people, you know, paint defund the police on three city blocks and block off traffic. And, you know, we're, we're essentially going to tell the cops, let them do it. Just, just don't, don't get involved. Don't engage. Back down. Let people do whatever we want because we don't want to escalate the situation. So, in other words, you're, you're just, you're giving in to those squeaky wheels. But what is one of the things that's happening from all this dysfunction? What you see is the people who care about, for example, the city of Milwaukee. They're, they're, they're having enough. You know, there was a, a story, and it should have been the headline. It was kind of buried in a story they did a couple days ago at the local newspaper about all the, the, the spike in homicides and shootings. And it talked about police morale. And it, it's right on point. I, I still have a lot of friends or acquaintances who work for various police departments across the area, including the Milwaukee Police Department. And I will tell you, on a scale of 1 to 100, with 100 being this is the greatest job in the world and 1 being, oh, my gosh, this this just really stinks, um, the, the morale right now is at about a minus 20 because you have these politicians, and it starts with the mayor, and it goes to the city council who've decided that they're going to get on board with all these various protesters and you're not going to support the cops as they're trying to do their job in a very, very dangerous 
and volatile environment. And you're starting to see this play out with retirements. And I mentioned this briefly yesterday. You have a number of police officers, for example, who are are at retirement age. You know, they they don't have to retire, but they're eligible for retirement. And under normal circumstances, they they would work in another four or five years because they used to like the job they did, and they're they're not ready to retire. Well, those officers are just saying, to heck with this. You know, we're, we're not respected. Our work is not valued. Our behavior is scrutinized and second-guessed to the extreme, including by people who know nothing of what we do and have political agendas, and they're bailing. Okay, the other problem is where are you going to replace them? I mean, so you have experienced good police officers who are leaving. All right, good, good luck getting, you know, people to want to do that job, people who are qualified to do the job. You know, in today's day and age, who wants to be a police officer? I mean, really, you know, you want to sign up for the kind of aggravation you get and the lack of support you're going to get working at a big urban police department? I mean, I I take my hat off to Chief Morales, who I think has done an extremely good job under very, very trying circumstances. I give credit to his command staff. But you know what? You've got, when you're a political foot and that's what law enforcement is becoming across this country. You're a political football. You've got politicians who are trying to score political points. And this isn't to say that there's not issues with policing. I mean, I, I understand all that. But it's not as problematic as the protesters would have you believe. And when you when you when you're told not even to stop people from defacing public property and writing defund the police on the streets and you tell them that they have to disperse and they say well if you make us disperse we're just going to have a protest here and then you back down i mean is it any wonder people won't do this job you're creating an environment where soon some urban areas including the city of milwaukee are going to look like the movie escape from new york and then what are we going to say about it some of us are going to say i told you so Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I was checking today. Um, my my anniversary, me and my dog, is coming up um, J- July eighteenth. Um, we we got Sasha when she was about six weeks old. Most of my most of my adult life, I had dogs when I was growing up, and most of my adult life. I, we, we didn't have dogs. Um, I, my late wife, I think, wanted one. And I always say, why do we want a dog? It's going to, you know, we, we travel a lot. It's going to be a pain. And then after she got sick, she wanted a dog. And we, we got the dog. And it actually, um, it's been one of the great, one of the great joys of, of my life. I, I just, I, I, I can't even express how, how happy I am. And we did the dog. It's just, it's great. It's unconditional love. You walk in the door, the dog is just thrilled to see you. It doesn't matter doesn't matter what kind of day you've had the dog is thrilled to see you you know and it just the dog's not going to be judgmental the dog is just going to be happy and you know you, you take her out for a walk and you feed her a couple times a day and you rub her belly and you play with the ball with her and she's she's just thrilled it, it's just and and I understand that there's two types of people in the world I understand there's people who love pets and there's people who, who hate pets I, I get it but there is something about a dog, and that's why I, I I saw this story in the Chicago Tribune this morning. And of course, I'm I'm doing the research for the show, and I'm going through, you know, all the bad stuff that's going on in the world. And you've got you know the uh, COVID nineteen spreading, and you've got the homicide rates that are going through the roof, and all these things. And then there's this column I, I stumbled across. It's by Rex, Rex Hupke, who is a very liberal columnist for the Chicago Tribune, but um, 
And I don't agree with a lot of the stuff he writes, but this one got my attention. Let me just share a portion of it with you. Uh, the, the title is, We Don't Deserve Dogs, Yet They Accept and Adore Us, Then They Leave Always Far Too Soon. He writes, If I had to choose between spending time with one good dog or five good people, I'd pick the dog every day of the week and twice on Sundays. That may sound antisocial, but it's a pragmatic choice driven by data. People, even the good ones, have more flaws than dogs. People, even the good ones, struggle to love without conditions. And dogs, at least the ones I've known, talk less than humans while managing to say more. Um, we humans don't deserve dogs, yet they accept and adore us. Then they leave, always far too soon. We're stuck with our dumb human flaws and a dog-sized hole in our day-to-day lives. I had to say farewell to a good dog last week on a pantingly hot July 3rd afternoon. She had cancer, and there was nothing we could do these past couple of months except love her and spoil her and give her approximately a million behind-the-ear scritches and wait until she let us know it was time to go. There are far more important things happening in the world right now than the death of a newspaper columnist's dog. I know that. But here I am writing about the dog who was near me, often with her head on my arm, as I wrote most of the columns you've read over the years. Um, dot, Um, she was six months old when we got her, had boulder-sized head with bat-like ears, four pie-sized paws, and more traditionally puppy-esque body, making her look like something that had gone tragically wrong at the dog factory six months earlier. Then it goes on. She was sweet. She was house-trained. Her eyes revealed an intelligence that we would bet would easily compensate for any head, body, paw, proportionality issues. She grew and grew and grew some more and finally reached 95 pounds. She was weirdly beautiful, and people often admired her. Um, etc. And then he goes on to talk about how, you know, we're, we're, how dogs are such amazing creatures that we're lucky to have in our lives. They are wholly, completely themselves. Sure, we train them and help them adapt to ways of living, but they train us to understand and appreciate them as beings unencumbered by the annoying complexities of humanness. Um, and that's what binds us so tightly. I think my dog's inherent goodness made the people who loved her better by helping us see that her way of living, love people, love playing, love food, almost always made more sense than our own. That's a gift, one that remains long after our noble beasts have gone. And it's worth it. Even for the pain that comes on a hot July day when you look at your friend and writing partner and know it's time for her to go, and you hold her as her soul leaves her body, and humans left behind cry so hard their faces hurt. It's worth it. Pain and tears and all. We don't deserve dogs, but we have them. And for that, I'm forever grateful. I couldn't agree more, and I guess I, I saw this, and I wanted to devote a segment of the program to it because it really, it 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 touched me, in in ways, I never understood. I think how important pets could be, and and how how that unconditional love can just you know pick up your day. I want to do this for one segment. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, for those of you. And again, I, I, I understand there are people who don't understand why folks want dogs. Oh, they're, they're a lot of work and they're an expense and they're trouble and they bark and they do all these different things. And yes, yes, they do all that. Yes, they, they bark when people walk by and they bark at other dogs and all that type of stuff. I, I understand it, but there's something about dogs and, and I understand there's other pets that are around there too. And people love cats. I just happen to be a dog guy myself, but there's something about having that, that other, being in your house that's going to love you unconditionally 
that just takes a bad day and makes it a good day and takes a good day and makes it a great day. And, you know, pets occupy this very special place in our lives and our hearts. Do you know what I'm talking about? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And by the way, just this column, like this column, I understand there's all sorts of issues going on in the world and maybe some arguably more important than those of us who just love our pets. But it makes a big difference. And there's no question because, you know, there's no question because I have a pet in my life that my life is richer and fuller. And I know that might sound silly, but it's just the truth. And maybe you can relate. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's a text, Jeff. Thanks for sharing. Brought me to tears. If you're a pet lover, that that's a story that, that does that. It, it's in the Chicago Tribune today. Um, if you follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620, I've got a link to it that, that's out there. But it's a column in the Chicago Tribune, so you can check that out. Let's talk to um, Mike in Fond du Lac. Mike, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon. Hi. Say, I always wrote a I always wrote a poem about my hunting dogs, and I buried a lot of them. And so my current one, he's 10, but I've had so many, and they break your heart. But I'll tell you a a nice thing to think about. I was told this once by a priest that liked to bird hunt with me. He says, when your dogs die, they go over what's called the Rainbow Bridge, Uh where they have a good time the rest of their lives. You might see them again. I always thought that was a nice thought, you know? But, it it is. Yeah, I it, love the dogs. Yeah, no, they're all uh, nice. I, I've never seen a bad dog. I've just seen bad handlers. Yeah, no, no. Th- thanks, Scott. I mean, I, I like that image of the 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 Rainbow Bridge. It's uh, you know, hopefully, I'm not going to have to deal with this for quite a while. Let's talk to JD and Abram. JD on WTMJ. Hello, Jeff. Hi. I'm a long time listener of yours. Love your show. It's the first time I've ever called in because this one really grabs me by the heart. Okay. What do you think? Um, I've lived in my I've lived in my home for 16 years now, and over the years, we've had seven dogs that needed places to live that came to live with us. We redid our home, put a big dog door in because one of them was a 166 pound mastiff. <laughs> Wow. We put the invisible fence around. We made our home into just a dog paradise. You know, each and every one of them were special in their own way. Right. Uh, I've got so many memories now with all them dogs. And each and every one of them came to us. We did not go looking for them. They needed a place to live. Folks found us, and we took them in. Mm-hmm. It we was, never paid for a dog. It was meant to be, J.D. It was meant to be. It's just meant to be, and we lost our Mastiff last uh, October of 2018. Last summer, my wife was working for a couple that had a beautiful little yellow lab, and they had to get rid of it. And she told them, well, we'll take the dog, but we don't pay for dogs. And they (laughs) hemmed and hawed, and pretty soon they said, yeah, we know it would be a good home. Here you go. And this dog, his name is Samantha. She is another in a long line of just absolutely perfect dogs. 
There you go. No, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, here's a text. Jeff, I'm a recovering addict. I just had I just had to put my love dog down a month ago. Jakey saved my life. He loved me with all my flaws and helped me love him more than I loved myself. Because I can be quite selfish, he taught me unconditional love and responsibility. I will love him and miss him forever. That's the connection that you, you make, you know, with, with dogs. And like I say, Five years ago, you know, we we got our dog when everybody knows my story. My my first wife was going through terminal cancer, and you know, we we had this this dog with us while we were going through that. And then after she passed, I I had the dog, and it was just it, it helped it helped you get through that. It, it helped you come through this very very dark time, and it, you come out on the other side. And it's it's what pets do for you. And uh, again, she's. She's a member of the family. My my wife kids around. She said, I, I'd never want to get into this decision where you, you have to choose between me and the dog. And I, I said, we're, we're never going to get in that situation because we're, we're, we're a family. But she's a member of the family. Jeff, I don't know what I would do without a dog. We lost our lab in 2012, and a month later, we had Pepper, a shelter dog. She brightens my day. It doesn't matter how long you're gone. She's always happy to see you. Dogs are a true blessing and are always in your heart. Um, then um, somebody asked me for the story. I sent it, Jeff. It brings tears to my eyes, and I, I want to share it with my friends. Yeah, that's the um, that that's that's the the whole idea. Let's talk. It just it. And again, I, I understand there's more significant issues that are going on in the world, but every once in a while, I, I think it's important to kind of take a pause and concentrate on on some of the the stuff that's really important. One of the things that I thought was so interesting is when we first started going through the shutdowns in March because of COVID nineteen, uh, all of a sudden, you know, people were adopting dogs. I mean, that that was it. You, you saw people that were flocking to the shelters and were getting dogs and all that. And I I thought how great that was because people were. We're, we're turning to diversions and to, you know, companionship and things like that. And my only hope is, as, as we start to get back to normal, th- those folks who adopted the dogs in times of, of trouble, they're, they're not going to get tired of the dogs. They're going to realize, you know, how great it is to have a dog around the house. David in Mequon. David, you're on WTMJ. Thanks for taking the call. Um, we actually got our first dog almost eight years ago now, and I, We've had no regrets whatsoever. We actually made her into a therapy dog. So we actually um, uh, take her to senior homes and we take her to see the vets. And you can't believe how happy just for that, you know, few minutes that they're kind of detached from what's actually going on with them, how much happiness. Uh, And she's only 10 pounds, but, you know, she's just got a huge heart. She just loves people, loves kids. And um, we take her on trips. We, Yellowstone Park, we've taken her to. We've taken her to uh, Mackinac Island. And uh, it, we always get, it always is a good conversation starter, too, I, I might add. Oh, yeah. And um, it kind of, yeah, so, so it, it just kind of, you know what? And the thing is, to your point, which you just stated, where one of your listeners said, it, it takes you away from, you know, what's actually going on a little bit. And this point that, this little dog of ours, you know, she just loves you no matter what. If you have a terrible day or yep. a great day, it's always the same. Yeah. So you know, it's wonderful. No, thanks for calling. It it is. You know, I, I always remind myself of that. My dog likes to fetch balls. Dogs like to fetch balls in general. I get it. My dog will. She likes me to throw this little ball that she has, and she'll run and get it and bring it back. And there'll be times in the evening where. 
okay, I, I'm, I'm tired. You've worked during the day. You've come home. You've done whatever. It's after work. It's after dinner. And you just kind of want to sit there and you want to veg out on TV or you want to read your book or, or do whatever it is you do. And there's the dog with the ball in her mouth going, okay, come on, Dad. Throw, throw the ball to me. And it's like, okay, really? And then whenever I think about that, I think, okay, this this dog gives me so much pleasure Chasing the ball that I throw gives her pleasure, and then it's like, okay, let's let's go and let's do this for about ten or fifteen minutes. And I, I, I it's not a guilt trip; it's just a, a way of of saying thank you for having that dog in your life. In any event, if you're a pet lover or a pet owner, you you get what I'm talking about. And there is the story in the Chicago Tribune that really kind of caught my attention today, and um, it's it's just worth taking a step back and seeing that. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. <laughs> This is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. The Brewers were looking for their first trip to the postseason since 2011. Join us Wednesday at 6 as Bob Euchre calls another Brewers classic, the 2018 playoff clincher in St. Louis. We're one week closer to live Brewers baseball. Brewers classic sponsored by Dave Drake Camp Heating, Boucher Automotive, Previa, Badger Mutual, Chevrolet, Badger Mutual, Chevrolet, and West Bend Insurance. Here's a text, Jeff. Um, we, we have a, a black lab. We also have a single man who's our friend. He has borrowed the dog to take with him as chick bait to the local dog park. Only problem is if he gets a date and they, the girls come to the apartment, they always say, where is the dog? I, actually, I had a, a very good friend of mine, his adult son wanted to to borrow my dog and my, my dog's a, a, a pomeranian and she's really really cute and you talk about chick bait that this dog is chick bait there's no question about it and he'd want to borrow can i take her to the dog park because you know young women would come up and go oh, isn't this dog cute and i'm like no you can't because i i know what's going to be going on you're not going to be paying attention to the dog you're going to be paying attention to the young women who are coming up said not going to happen at all jeff i'm a dog groomer i've been a groomer for 25 years i've started many dogs as a baby it always hits me hard when they pass on some are with me sometimes 15 plus years i've shed tears with many clients um yeah you can check out this article okay when we come back the two o'clock hour of the program black lives matter Haley berry and buffets and a lot more stick around this is jeff wagner wtmj Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. All right, we, we live in this time where we, we have major changes that are coming about. You've got these various movements that are protesting this and protesting that, trying to bring about social change and things of the like. You've also got employers, in many cases, who are struggling to stay in business because of the coronavirus pandemic and government-ordered shutdowns or um, government restrictions on how many people can come into businesses, or even if there's not a government-ordered restriction, just people's buying habits and shopping habits have changed. So you've got retailers or places that are open to business that, that, that are struggling, and they're trying to figure out how to keep people employed and the like. All right. At the same time, you have employees at some of these stores who decide that they want to be socially aware. They're they're woke or, or whatever, and they want to express their feelings. So here's what, what's going on. You have a number of employees at different stores who have decided that they want to express their support for some of the different social causes that are that are going on. 
Okay, fine. And they want to do it at the workplace. So, I mean, here's what happens. Uh, Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, Taco Bell, and, and Starbucks, among other businesses, have dress codes. And the dress codes say you're not allowed to wear political statements on on your your clothing. That, that, that's it. Because they figure that, you know, patrons, all right, when the patron comes in, that the patron may agree with defunding the police, or they may think defunding the police is just one of the stupidest ideas ever. But the bottom line is they're coming into the business to get tacos, or they're coming into the business to buy bread, or they're coming into the business to get a cup of coffee. And the employer's are concerned about alienating the, these customers who might not agree with the political message being put out by you know one of of the employees. So um, here's the deal. So these employers are, as a general rule, banning personal statements across the board. And what's happening now is a number of the employees are are fighting back. They're saying, look. We, we should have a right to express our opinion on these various social causes at, at work. And if we want to wear masks that say Black Lives Matter to protest what we consider to be, you know, discriminatory things going on in the world, we should have a right to do that. All right. Let's tee this up. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Right. Should employers be able to have dress codes which prohibit the employees from wearing buttons or masks or clothing with slogans or any of the like? I mean, is, is it unreasonable to have a dress code that does that? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. Or is this a situation where, hey, you know, you've got the employees – they're socially conscious, they're socially aware, and if they decide that they want to protest this, that, or the other thing, they should be able to wear whatever clothing they want. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My take on this is, first of all, yes, I think employers absolutely, totally, 100%, should have the right to define what is appropriate dress in the workplace. And if they decide... For whatever reason that, you know, we don't want you coming in with T-shirts with slogans on them. We don't want you coming in wearing buttons. We don't want you coming in wearing a Make America Great Again cap because some people are going to agree with you and some people are going to disagree with you. We don't want people wearing Make America Great buttons. We don't want people wearing Black Lives Matter buttons. We don't want our employees, while they're on the job, taking positions on social causes. Because some people might be with you, other people might not, and the point of the business is to appeal to as broad a spectrum of people as possible. I don't think that's an unreasonable position. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, and nobody says that an employee can't, that somebody can't express their feelings about Make America Great Again, or Black Lives Matter, or defunding the police. But but they do it on their own time. That's not too much to ask, is it? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. 
This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The times are they are changing. Jeff, when I was a kid, I worked at Great America. Not only did they tell us how to dress, um, guys had to have haircuts that were above the eyes. Girls could only wear stud earrings and only one earring in an ear. Um, no fingernail polish. And yes, if I wanted to work there, I had to follow their rules. There's an ongoing controversy now that you have a number of employees at places like Starbucks and Taco Bell and, and Costco who are coming to work and, and they're wearing apparel or pins or hats or whatever expressing their support for defund the police or Black Lives Matter or, or whatever. And the employer is saying, we have dress codes. You cannot do that. And now this is becoming a controversy. I personally think an employer should have the right to say, all right, when, when you're dealing with the public, no no clothing, no buttons, no paraphernalia that, that expresses political causes or social movements. You do that on your own time, but you know, we don't want to alienate people that are coming into the business. That's not unreasonable, is it? Jerry in Oak Creek. Jerry, you're on WTMJ. I was managing restaurants in the seventies, eighties and nineties, and I had a dress code. If you didn't when you come to work for me, you accept the dress code. If you didn't want to follow it once you were there, bye-bye. Yeah. And these people, just because we're having problems in the uh, in the black areas, um, these people shouldn't be able to come in and just tell uh, a, a person who's running a business that they're going to do it their way. I mean, that's the problem we're having is they're, they're wanting to demand stuff, and they want it to go from uh, from the left all the way to the right. Well, if I went and did, if I went and put stuff on my street and put down some of the stuff, they would arrest me. But it's okay for them. Well, I, I mean, Jerry, I mean, I mean, I guess, I mean, think, I mean, look, I, I, I mean, it, it's not for, it's not just in in black areas. I mean, it, you, you have, you have a social protest movement that that is out there, and there's people of all races that are supporting it, and and that's fine. There, there's there's nothing wrong with. You know, supporting different causes and things like that. But the question is, do you have an absolute right to do that whenever you want? Now, it might be, for example, that there are some employers who decide that they want to encourage that dialogue, to which, you know, I say go with God, that that's fine. But on the flip side of this, if you have an employer, okay, I, I run, I run Jeff's sandwich shop. And, you know, I, my job, my, I, I want to, I want to sell sandwiches to Republicans and Democrats and independents. I want to sell sandwiches to social justice warriors and people who think that the the pendulum has swung too far. I I just want to have a broad-based appeal. Okay, I think I have a right to say, you know, when you come into my store, uh, you're, you're there to buy a sandwich, and, you know, our job, my job, my employee's job, is to make the sandwich for you. And so as a result... We don't want to, when I'm in this business, we don't want to engage, you know, in, in sort of political state to my employees. I would say, if you want to make a political statement, that that's great. As soon as you walk out of the door, as soon as you clock out, you want to put on that Make America Great hat. You want to put on the, the Black Lives Matter T-shirt. You want to put on the Defund the Police sash. That's fine. You know, but you, you don't do it when you are in the workplace. Do employers have the right to do it? Well, I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, Jeff, I hear some text. Jeff, I agree totally. I start to wonder, though, when it comes to social issues with a charitable slant, um, for example, pink ribbons for breast cancer awareness, is this the same or not? Well, I, I guess, I, I mean, first of all, 
I, I think an employer has the right to set the, the dress code. And I think that there's, you know, things like cancer awareness. I think an employer would have the right to say, okay, well, we don't think this is something that's going to be controversial and you can do it. But at the same time, if, if the dress code says, you know, no ribbons or whatever, I think an employer has the right to do it. Now, whether it makes sense or not, that's, um, different. Jeff, um, you know, this is what working for an employer is. You work according to the boss's owner's guidelines. If you disagree, don't throw a fit. Go someplace else to work. Jeff, I go to Starbucks for a coffee, not an opinion. If I care to know, I just ask. Well, and and, and my point would be, if I'm running a coffee shop or the sandwich shop, yeah, I, I, I don't want to give you my political opinions. I don't want my employees giving you the political opinions. I want to giving you the submarine sandwich. Um, but, but this is the idea. Jeff, employers have every right to have politically free stores. Does every minute of our lives need to include reading, seeing, hearing someone else's opinion? If so, put it on your car's bumper stickers. Well, I think there's something to that. Jeff, if people want to do social commentary, they need to do it on their own time. Maybe they should also consider that their viewpoints might change and they might feel embarrassed later for the points of view that they once expressed. Well, I, I don't know about that. I just, but I, I agree with the idea that you do this on your own time. Um, it's, and, and see, good businesses understand that. I, if you're a regular listener, you know, I'm a huge Jimmy Buffett fan. Jimmy Buffett is an enormous lefty. All right. And, and he has been. He's campaigned for Hillary Clinton. He's campaigned for liberal politicians for decades. All right. That's fine. You go to a Jimmy Buffett concert in and unlike some other performers, you don't get lectured from the stage about the different political views. It's just, I think he recognizes that he has a broad audience and Republicans attend his concerts and Democrats attend his concerts. And for that two hours that the concert is going on, you're going to get the music. And that's what you're there for. And and I just, I've always thought that that's such a smart way to do it because the, the minute you decide, okay, I'm going to spend 15 minutes of a concert lecturing people about why this person is bad or that person is good or, or whatever, that's that's when you start like turning off some people. Yeah, you're going to turn on some folks. And again, I don't I don't fault people. I recognize that people have their own political opinions. I respect it. I, I don't hold that against them. But at the same time, if I'm paying money to go see a concert or I'm paying money to you know go in and patronize a business, I don't think it's unreasonable if that business says, okay, we recognize we have a diverse audience and you know we're we're just going to make the sandwich. That shouldn't be too much to ask. This is Jeff Wagner.